Well, that didn't work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God damn it. What are you working on? I'm working on something, Jeff. I'm working on something. We're passing notes. I mean, we can uh, talk about that, sir. I mean, yeah, try try that thing again. Oh, guys, I got a text. <laughs> oh, who could it be? What is this text? Are we recording again? We Jesus never Christ. stopped. What oh. do you mean? This is the future. <laughs> oh, never mind. You just got a text in the middle of this text. book. Our dog. Let's, let's listen. Oh, oh. I would love to listen, Django. Yeah. Let's uh, let's let's, let's hear... listen to what? Oh, how do I to this text? Well, let's 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 do this. You guys, let's let's listen. Django, this is Django. Don't forget. I would do it again. Okay. I would try. Oh, okay. okay. So now we're recording. Do not tell them. <laughs> Don't tell them. Do you want to resend a ding? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's like this bit from the top. This is a shit show, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm really digging this bit. <laughs> Uh, tell me when you're ready again. <laughs> uh, I'm so ready. yeah, Sword Daughter was just a blast and a half. That so one. Good. What a book and a Man. book and a book. Oh, oh, I got a, I got a, I got some sort of message, guys. Sword of message. Uh, what is some, it? Some some sort of I don't know. We have a voicemail. Let's get a voicemail in here. What voicemail. We, we got one of our listeners. Huh? huh. Let's let's see. Django, this is Django. Don't forget. Don't tell them how they die. Do not tell them. Don't tell them. Oh, crap. Uh, man, I wish I hadn't listened to that out loud. Wait, Django, <laughs> do you know? Is that you, Django, or is that a different Django? Am I going to die? No. Did you send that, or is there is that the Django that came in no, here on the Broken Timeline? This, it, I don't... Do you know how we die? Now I'm afraid to leave this room. I'm so what if we leave. die in this room? That's me being... Oh, jeez. I can't tell you guys. <laughs> I thought I was going to live forever. I promised all of you I wouldn't tell you. You promised yourself. Did I go down... No, I promised did I... you a long time ago. What? Did I go down swiftly? Oh, I've, it's been a long trip. where every week we read some comics and then we talk about some comics. Um, we have a comic store. We like to read comics. We're pretty good at reading comics. Speed-wise. Speed-wise. We're fast at reading comics. We take things in. I don't do speed. No, I don't do speed. I, I, just, I read. Read, don't do speed. Wait, is speed cocaine? No. That's is meth. Speed is meth? Yeah. Okay. Right? I just hear it referred to as meth nowadays. But the term speed... For drugs, that existed way before meth. Maybe it's a better kind of meth, one that you don't make in your bathtub. Wait, like which, you make what's the nickname for heroin? Gin, Roman. H? Black H- tar. Heron. Horse? Is, the, horse, uh, is horse heroin? Yeah, horse is heroin. The, the, the dragon? The dragon. <laughs> Something about the dragon. He bite me? Dragon. <laughs> uh, we're going to spoil stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I spoiled my heroin. He spoiled his heroin. <laughs> we really went off the rails pretty early on this one, boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. First of all, we love everyone listening. We love comic books, yes. and we're going to talk about them. If this is your first podcast with us, poof, I'd go back a month to the last time <laughs> all four of us were together, which was a long time ago. Should I mean, we don't have that. doesn't have to be the, the cold open there. We're going to be talking about <laughs> Justice League, number one, The Immortal Hulk, number one, Exit, Stage Left, The Snagglepuss Chronicles, number six, Sword Daughter, number one. Isola, number three, and Batman, 48. Mm. Oh, in Batman. that order? Uh, I mean, we po- are now. possibly. 
Good. My word is law. <laughs> Your fans know it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, did we say quickly. we spoil stuff? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we, we spoil didn't say stuff. Who we are though? Oh. Oh. Who right. are you? Who are you? Braden. That's it. Just yeah. Braden. I'm I'm drunk. Uh, I'm I'm here to I'm here to talk about comics and Pokemon. I'm Django, and Braden's wearing a gray shirt. I'm Jeff, but you already know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm our dog. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Roman. <laughs> Dude, you should have seen his sheepish face as he said that. <laughs> I think there was a part of our dog that really thought he was going to get away with that. <laughs> oh shit, I'm Roman. Cut that out. Jeff, can you please edit that part out? <laughs> you are now. <laughs> um, this is what the first time the four of us have recorded a podcast in the last month. It's what was, been. What was the last one we did together? I don't. I don't listen. That's not true. I know you do. I, I do. I listened last week and uh, the week before and it, the week before. Yeah, it was in April, wasn't it? Probably that makes sense. So it was Maybe? before the seasons had changed. Have the seasons changed? Well, I didn't have allergies last time. Oh, probably. We haven't had the first day of summer yet. I don't think. June 21st. It says who? Yeah, yeah it's June hot. 21st. I switched to shorts, so it's summer. Yeah. I switched to sunglasses, so it must be summer. Dude, Roman. You switched the fuck Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. actually were that, That's my drug. You, you pupated or whatever into just like a flamboyant sunglassed butterfly. Like you are, if you walk into the store, if he's working alone, you will walk into Roman trying on sunglasses I and mean, a mirror. He's here right now and he's got one on his face, one on the back of his head, and two on his shoulders. Yeah, and an array of them on the table. I don't even know what those are for. Are those yeah, decision glasses? Are we going to try those on or something? Are I bet he's got us? a I'm gonna, I'm gonna review. No, I, oh, for my buckshot, I'm just going to review sunglasses. Okay. Oh, yeah. wow. I actually My file at Moonbase. Other people have comics in their file at Moonbase. I've got sunglasses. He has to have a special <laughs> box so the glasses don't get squirged. Dark. Darker. <laughs> Darkest with silver on the front. <laughs> and Dark City. Glasses cast, 18. We have got the stats and facts on glasses that you want. Do you guys remember when that movie Wild Wild West came out with my boy Will Smith and Wild my boy uh, Kevin Spacey? And my yeah. boy... And uh, by Kevin Spacey, I mean Kevin Klein. <laughs> although that would have made the, better, the movie better. My boy, uh, the big metal spider. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dr. Loveless. Do you remember... The incredible. Oh wait, never mind. I'm thinking of a different Will Smith joint. <laughs> Do you guys remember that '90s classic Men in Black? Yeah, yes. yeah. Do you Came out the year before Wild Wild West, actually, with yeah. with uh, Kevin Spacey. And you know it was cr- yeah. Kevin Spacey <laughs> needed extra time to get Wild Wild West oh, together, yeah. so he was like, "Will, I need you to work on another joint." And so he was like, "I'll do this Men in Black." Do you remember the incredible siege on Ray-Ban glasses that happened for like a year when that oh, movie yeah. came out? Like the price of Ray-Ban skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. I was not aware of any sort of glasses. Mark, were you trying to get some after that? Uh, I was. Thank <laughs> God, Wild Wild West, the subsequent uh, Kevin Spacey Will Smith joint, also had some cool sunglasses. Mm. And fortunately, Burger King offered out with their Happy Meal pairs of sunglasses. You could either get the Will Smith pair or the Spacey's. Do you have a picture of you wearing them? No. Jeff. Holy <laughs> shit. You, McDonald's and Burger King used to have better toys. They used to have fucking yeah. crowns. Yeah. Oh, that's true. You are still loyal to the king. Always. 
Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Justice League number one by Scott Snyder and Jim Chung, uh, who is not on the next issue or the next issue or the next issue. It's on number seven, right? Yeah. It's one Jim Chung Wait, what? showed up back? for the first two issues of Marvel 2 and 1, then disappeared, came back for like issue six or seven, is gone again, did the first issue of this. Like, Jim Chung, I like your art, but. If that's how you're going to do comics, get out of my industry. That is so is like distressing to me. Like, hey, everybody, check out this number one with this sweet art. Oh, except for you're like, it, it's just like, it's a total tease to I me. I bet it's not him. I bet it absolutely is him. You think he has enough clout to say, I'm just going to do these weirdo issues in the middle of things? I think he's too slow to do Well, then that's DC books. for hiring him. And Marvel right. for hiring him. I think yeah. everyone's too slow. All the fucking good artists are too slow. Marvel, well, yeah, Marvel 2 and one's a monthly book, though. <laughs> I've been thinking about this today. Uh-huh. Because I, I found out that he's only doing one in seven. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so in the last three years, comics have started coming out every other week. Right? For, for a lot of them. Yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of them. And I think that that was a move by DC and then later by Marvel to try to kind of catch up to Netflix and, like, binge-watching. Marvel right? started doing the bi-weekly shipping like yeah. 10 years ago I thought ago it was Marvel Spider-Man. first. Yeah. Well, but like, I, I guess re- lately, like DC said, we're going to put it out every other week. And then Marvel just kind of did away with a release schedule and seemed to just crank them out as quick as they could. Whether yeah. it was every other week or every three weeks or They've whatever. Been, you know, like the first three issues <laughs> of series have been like, you get like three in a month or three yeah. in a month and a half. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so like they're, they're pushing really hard to get these books out fast. And I think it's, it's to catch up to kind of the, the ADD culture that we have because of how everything that you want to like bring into your brain is just kind of available. I I think it's partially that and also partially that the entire industry has moved toward trades pa- trade paperbacks. Yeah. So they I think that they think about trade paperbacks now the way that they thought about issues 10 years ago, right. which is that like we need to get the paperback out cuz that's what like a bunch of people are going to start reading that way. I think it's partially too that people who are getting Batman and Spider-Man every month are gonna get every issue. Yeah. And that's so like, oh, let's just make two this month instead and they'll they have to get it. The yeah. downside is these legacy artists and even even new artists just straight up can't keep up with that, even yeah. with a smaller page count. So I think they should pull Justice League back to whatever their creators can actually pump out. I would love that. <clears throat> I would love that also. I don't mind monthly books, but tons and tons of customers complain about monthly books, mm-hmm. and they want them every other week. So um, On the flip side, I really like this issue. Yeah, I mean, I really like this. That and and Jim Chung, I actually, I really like your art. Although I do think your faces all look the same. They do. Yeah. He's got <laughs> a, a sort of a problem distinguishing faces. But uh, all that being said, uh, yeah. What did everybody think of this book? They're all the same dude anyway. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're not just mu- muscular guy guy. I thought this was awesome. The the thing that sold me on it. I think, I'll bet that the thing that sold a lot of people on this was that Hall of Justice in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the Hall of Justice. It was everybody <laughs> trying to copy Batman's voice when they oh. went back and forth with Martian yeah. Manhunter. That was pretty like, That's buddies being buddies, yeah. just just making fun of their buddy. So I really mm-hmm. liked it, and then I was like, hope they don't overdo this. And then like two panels later, that no, I, I really liked it. And then they did one more, and I was like, I hope they don't overdo this. And then they didn't do it again, and I was yeah. like, perfect. It yeah. was like on a joke where repetition is the joke itself. Uh, going overboard that is is a death sentence, and he nailed it perfectly. Yeah. Um, 
I also like having Martian Manhunter back. Yep. Yeah. I really like Martian Manhunter being a dragon sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was real cool. That was, that was awesome. Rad. I don't know why he keeps his weird chest piece bra. So we know who thing. it is. Right. Because it's, it's like me in sunglasses. He's got he's got to have it. Accessories. Um. Yeah. yeah. I. This this is my favorite Justice League thing I've read. Probably. Well, I liked a lot of the Dark Side War. Yep. I just kind of jumped into that series. Yes. Yeah. Just before the Dark Side War, and I like that, but I think I think this is my favorite since uh, Graham Morrison, probably. Yeah, this is very good. It's like the Justice League elements that you want. I think that so much of Rebirth was an intentional shift back towards classic elements of DC, mm-hmm. um, and and this is the best instance of that. I mean, the Hall of Justice and the Legion of Doom are amazing to see. Although Roman. Are you you're the one who told me that the Hall of Justice has actually never been in the comics before, right? It was only in it the hasn't. show. It hasn't. That's from the Super Friends cartoon show. Yeah. yeah. Which is it's <clears throat> it's crazy <throat> how much of a part of comics history it feels to me, just as like a six year old who was watching an old TV show and seeing that, I assumed that that was a part of the legacy. Yeah. No, hmm. it was the coolest thing from that show because they were in the cave first and then they moved to the satellite, I think. <laughs> so what about the Legion of Doom? Was that a thing that's ever been in the comics? Not under that name. I mean, they've made references to it. Kind of this, uh, the Luther's Society of Supervillains in, was it Final Crisis? One of the big crossovers. That was kind of a nod to the Legion of Doom. But they didn't hang out in this skull-shaped uh, headquarters in the swamp. That's from the, the show. And yeah. it's so cool to see that. It, and oh. It's so cool. The, when they do the flashbacks here with Luther, when he was going through and he, he doing things, and it looks like he killed, like, I don't know if that's Adam the original Strange Starman. Or, yeah, or Starman. Yeah, Jack Knight's father, maybe? You I'm got the sure, resurrection sure. of Darkseid down there. Yeah. I'm just glad, I, it's so much fun <clears throat> seeing Luther in his battle armor. All the classic stuff. I totally agree. And I would say Scott Snyder, in general, does a pretty great job of creating voices for these characters. And I don't necessarily feel like they're all exactly on or exactly unique. But um, I don't think he's written a book with this large of a cast. I guess, like, Metal was sort of an intro to that and No Justice. But this seems like the first time he's written a lot of these characters. I'm just glad he's the only one writing. Right. Because yeah. it, it, like, it really, really shines through in this, yeah. I think. Yeah, and he did such a good, I mean, good job with everything, but especially Martian Manhunter as this framework. Because I, I really missed him in the Justice League. Because ju- they used to do this talk about how he was the heart of the Justice mm-hmm. League, and he's been in every incarnation of the Justice League until New 52. Right. And, and, then he he had a, a... Yeah, and then he had a falling out with him. It's so good to see him back and doing things only he can do, like creating this, this mental um, boardroom where they meet to discuss things. Is Vandal Savage dead? Did they kill him in this? He can't be. Luther beat the it shit looks out like of it. him for sure. Yeah. And he beat him up with a doorknob that he couldn't see in the beginning. Wump, wump, wump. Yeah, some kind of like... Wumps him pretty hard, yeah. I don't know if it's mystical or technological Well, so at the end you find out doorknob. that it's the same doorknob that they used oh, the to joke. get into oh, um, right. the, the inner sanctum of the Hall of Justice. Yeah, secret doors. Oh, okay, yeah, it is the same thing. And I I love the idea of like Lex, you know, beating the shit. Basically 
building this thing for Vandal Savage and having Vandal do all the work and then him yeah. just sort of having built these security things in and be, you know kills him and takes it. Um, I, I really like the, the word is the same shape. Like the Martian word is the same shape as the Hall of Justice. Right. I thought that was a really yeah. cool touch. I really, yeah, visually that's awesome and it kind of adds some legitimacy to the shape of this sort of dated 70s hall. Yeah. Uh, and it, what's weird, and I guess we'll kind of come back to this later, but um, the voice for the Joker in comics as a whole right now is a little bit weird. I think like Tom King has a really like specific voice for the Joker and I think Scott Snyder has another really specific voice for the Joker but that was from the new 52 and i think that even this joker for the few texts that he have uh, has seems significantly different from his previous usage of the joker and it yeah. seems significantly different from tom king's usage of it which is fine that's the the problem with having a bunch of people writing characters that are all existing in a story at the same time but yeah it um, seemed almost kind of deadpooly like yeah i don't know how i feel about it mm yeah um you know he's also got a different voice in the in jeff johns in the Doomsday Clock. Yeah, have we seen him much in there yet? Or just the new issue? It's just the new issue. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, well, I I really like this book. This was one of my very favorite comics this week, and I went in with fairly low expectations. I'm going to give this an eight. Yeah, I liked this book a lot this week as well. It's probably my, my second favorite book of the week. I liked it more than I thought it was going to. I think the art was pretty gorgeous. Um, <clears throat> I am not allowed to use .5s anymore. Um, Man, I'm gonna fight Phil about that. Yeah, he's so stern about he's it. He's a too. monster. Yeah. I don't what mind. if you're not allowed to use sevens either? Well, that's a Django rule. <laughs> well, you listen to Phil and not me. Uh, absolutely. We gotta be able to, to use sevens. Sevens. Phil is filled with kindness. <laughs> sevens a mystical number. We gotta be able to use that. Um, so in that case, I would give it an eight point five, but I'm gonna give it a nine. Oh. Yeah. All right. Wow. <clears throat> what do you guys got? I think I would go with uh, 6.5. I did like it. I love all the art um, and a lot of the ideas in Martian Manhunter, but it was just just a whole lot in one comic. I felt like I didn't have any room to breathe mm-hmm. between No Justice and this mm-hmm. and everything that was happening. But, and even between Metal and No Justice. And yeah, no, it's, just, it's like, just a lot. Like I just wanted to slow down. Like Let's, let's build these relationships a yeah. little bit. Like I want to see these characters hanging out before they're just fighting Neo... Neanderthal mutants or whatever. I had time to breathe because I didn't read No Justice after the first issue, so I had like three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I, no read, I, did, I did read it all. Did you give it a number, Roman? Dark Side's not usually that big. I, I didn't. I'll give it a eight. Do you choose? Because one of the things, because Plastic Man's in it in one panel. His book comes out <laughs> yeah. this week. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Next week? Uh, this coming week. Oh, it's, it's the yes. new week now. Cool. It's Sunday. Did you guys read that Immortal Hulk? Segway, like Vandal Savage to Hulk. Yeah, Vandal Savage is immortal. He couldn't possibly have died. He'll, he'll come back Jango. from death, just like Hulk. Hulk's, Hulk's alive. Hulk is back. Uh, yeah, Hulk Mania is, uh, is, is live. <laughs> we see him get killed in this and come back. Oh, I thought this was about Hulk Hogan. It is. It Listen, is. Hulkamaniac brothers. Everything's about Hulk Hogan, brother. Everything's about Hulk Hogan here in the United Comics Dome. <laughs> mm. All right, I don't like Hulk that much. Hulk Hogan or the Immortal Hulk? The Immortal Hulk. Okay. Uh, no, I, I don't like the character Bruce Banner as the Hulk. Usually, it's kind of boring to me. I See, don't think I've ever read a long run. You were into Amadeus Cho, though. <laughs> uh, I read two or three issues, didn't care about it. Jodo. Uh, I really liked this. 
I also have never really cared for the Hulk. And that's one of the things I remember having had several conversations with Roman in the past. Because when I started the comic shop, I was kind of stunned to hear that he's one of his like favorite, favorite characters. He likes green ladies and apparently green men. So what is it about the Hulk that you love, Roman? And did this feel in line with that? And what what do you... Hulk guy. It did, but it deviated from that. Well, first, well, first, what I love about the Hulk, same thing I love about the Frankenstein monster, that he's this big, raging, lonely, upset child that's been abandoned, and he's just, he wants to be left alone, but at the same time, he wants acceptance at some level, never gets it, and, and lashes out. You feel sorry for him. I... It's just such an interesting character point to me to, like make a character based around feeling bad for him. And that, that's not yeah. invalid, but it's an interesting thrust for a character that's lived that long, and it's one that never got its hooks too deeply in me. Yeah, yeah. I really like this one because it's kind of... I, I like the Jekyll and Hyde aspect of this one where he's... He doesn't really know necessarily what happens with the Hulk. I like that it didn't super focus on the Hulk part of things. It was, it was a story about a bad guy kind of getting its comeuppance. Although it did super focus on the Hulk on those first two pages that we saw him. Yeah. Because they were these big double-page spreads, and I thought that was such an awesome device for introducing us to this character that is terrifying and way larger than life. And we just can, zoomed in and yeah, zoomed in. Yeah. And we can only display him on these huge double-page spreads, and I think that that <clears> was a, a really cool and almost like retro comic book thing to do. Yeah, this is definitely a Hulk series that's has a little bit more of a horror feel to it and that Jekyll and Hyde thing because this does go back to like horror? the first uh, Hulk or, or um, the first six issues of the original Hulk where he has where the Hulk himself is smart but he's sinister oh, he's yeah. not smart like Bruce Banner's smart he's not like scientifically that. smart he's just sinister and maybe uh, kind of twisted I mean, he was he knew how to yeah. speak at the very least. And, and you're yeah. saying that's how he yeah. was in the original one? In like the very first like six issues. Huh. He could he could speak. He's more kind of thuggish. Um so more of a hide. Yeah, I and mean, he only turned into the Hulk at night. They definitely had this Jekyll Hyde, like werewolf type thing going on. Because he is fucking scary in this. Yeah. Like they I, Yeah. I, and very I, and yeah, very calculating. He's the way he psychologically tortures this guy before he physically yeah. beats the crap out of him. Yeah, I, I'm really interested to see what the arc of this is. So it's written by Al Ewing, and uh, I don't have a copy of it in front of me, but I'm not sure who did the art. The art's um, great. Joe Bennett. Uh, but yeah, it's... I'm not over the moon about the art. It looks a lot like uh, Bagley to me. Um, I could see that. Kind of, yeah. I, I, like I think it it's more better. I like modern Bagley, though. Yeah, it's definitely better than modern Bagley. And part of it's the colors. Like, the yeah, colors yeah. in this are really, really good. I don't know. It seemed like every story has had sort of a different thrust on what is the Hulk. So I guess I'm just curious what this one's going to be. That's that's one thing I'm, like, that Peter David introduced, because he wrote the Hulk for, like, 14 years. And one of the things he introduced to the Hulk mythos was that um, the way the Hulk manifested... Um, was was manifestations of different parts of Bruce Banner's psyche, especially the repressed shadow side, if you will. Okay. So now, I, so now I like trying to figure out how each incarnation of the Hulk is a different part of Bruce's perversions, mentality, psyche, I, emotions that he hasn't dealt with. I like that idea a lot. Just like 
caricatures or exponentially, you know, grandized parts of his yeah. psyche. So he yeah. could be really evil at times, but he could also be maybe really aggressive or really cowardice at times too. I like I like that. Well, I give this an eight and a half. I thought we were supposed to do points or halves. That's Jeff's rule. That's Jeff's rule to himself that he pretends is Phil's rule. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> uh, I'm oh. trying to get better at taking stands, so I give uh, it a seven. Uh, no, seven's allowed. Oh, I give it a six. <laughs> oh. Oh, I, like I did. I did like <laughs> the character, and I liked how spooky he was. I I really didn't care for the art, except for like the big big double page spreads, and then the close ups on his face. What do you guys give it? Um, oh, jeez, can you hold it? Um, God, do I dare? Oh, what? <laughs> Roman's dropping the Phantom Dog. Come on, our dog. Oh, come on, our dog. I was gonna like be be modest and give it a nine, but there's nothing modest about you, there, humble pie. The art is, I love the art. I love the buildup. I love the quote on the first page. I even oh, read yeah, the, the end. Whoa. The end? What it's do you mean? Oh. Text oh. The end. oh, yeah. I yeah. liked it enough to read that. I'm, I never do that. Yeah, yeah no, I, I liked the text I love at the how end, they too. talk about that graphic there with the question mark. Yeah. Which I never really thought about. I'll give it a 10. Or oh. is he both? I love this buildup suspense here when you hear the... the 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 screams and the sound effects and this guy's trying the bad yeah. guy's trying to get in his car and he drops his keys and he looks back because it's quiet and the Hulk slowly walks up behind him. That was well was done terrifying. storytelling. <laughs> that was like not visually, you know, that was using sound effects and emotions without yeah. visually doing anything, which made it way scarier to me. So what the yeah. average is out to eight and a sixth, right? I don't know how what we get six. I don't know. I didn't read it. Oh, flip <laughs> through it. I don't know six. Yeah, <laughs> Braden knows. <laughs> No point O's for you, Braden. No point O's for Braden, but if we were to get right to the point O, Braden. The point of me? The point of... Let's get to the point here, Braden. Okay. Tell me about Snagglepuss number six. Uh, exit stage left. It's exit stage left. The Snagglepuss... Fuck. Cron. <laughs> the Snagglepuss Chronicles Cron. number six. Part The Snagglepuss Chronic. Jesus. I think. Yeah. Well, well done. With your title, Mark Russell. Yeah, close. <laughs> uh, very well done. Good book. Ten out of ten. <laughs> there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Um, no, it's it was a uh, gosh. The last issue was super tragic. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but so it gets it's a bad time, and it's still a bad time. Like an issue later, like it's just been longer, and we're still dealing with shit, and it sucks. But like. We take some really interesting turns. Um, there's a really cool twist that ties it all back to their cartoons that, that I was like. Awesome. I did not see coming at all, and like that was I thought executed pretty perfectly by by Mark there. Um, I guess yeah, and like I think we get a little bit of closure with him and his dad. Yeah, who I did not realize was his dad. I don't think we were supposed to until yeah. right at the end. You're right. I, mean, I also really liked how Snagglepuss is kind of hit rock bottom, and he's talking to the bartender about how everything is terrible. And the yeah. bartender says, "Well, you guys went through all this horrible stuff, but now we have three gay bars in the area instead of none, and they're not quite as underground. And we have um, like people resisting McCarthy and." You know, this this really sucked for you, but it wasn't all for nothing. Yeah, he had, a, he had a really good line in there. Um, 
trying to think, but it wasn't for nothing. What did he say? You, do, you didn't fight the system to win, SP. You fought to show it can be done. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty great, and, like, it makes you feel better about it. Because you, you see him in these, like, courtroom hearings and stuff, and he's fucking just railing on them and just pointing out all their hypocrisy and being super awesome. And, like, and then by the end of it, it's like, oh, well, shit. It yeah. didn't didn't fix everything, but, like, but then you get to this, and it's like, okay, well, like, it helps. Like, yeah. it's, like, showing that it can be fought and showing that, like, it can make a difference is really encouraging and inspiring. Yeah, it's it's kind of like you don't you don't fight to win, but maybe you can fight to inspire. Yeah. And uh yeah, I it's 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 that Mark Russell thing where he 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 hits you when you're not looking with this this super sad thing that uh, actually it's kind of heartwarming mm. if you look at it from this other angle. He did it in the Flintstones like three times in a row. Yeah. And he, he does it here too. And, and just tying all this back into the cartoons at the end is like that plants this entire series in the real world instead of this weirdo world with these animals hanging out. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, this is more real to me than Roger Rabbit now Yeah. because of the way he ended the series, which is awesome. Yeah. It's like, not it feels. It feels like a bunch. Yeah, that was a weird statement. <laughs> well, Roger Rabbit. Like when I was a kid, I watched Roger Rabbit, and it it blew my mind because we had cartoons interacting with people, and Roger gets dunked in the sink, and he comes up, and he spits out real water on the guy. A, Space Jam for me. Yeah. Yeah, Space Jam. And so, like, that was totally convincing. And and this felt like, oh, what if animals were in the real world? Yeah, it kind of felt like BoJack Horseman or something. I was yeah. like, oh, and, they're just there. I'm like, okay, cool. But then by the end, you're like, oh, they used to be here. Yeah. And this is the real world. And the only fictional character in this entire comic is Gigi Allen, mm. who didn't make it past the third issue. I think she showed up later. Did she? I can't remember. What that, they did with the end sounds like that twist sounds pretty awesome. That's the yeah. kind of like meta storytelling I really like. Yeah, it was really well done. And I think like tonally certainly different from the Flintstones, which kind of threw me off at first. I was like, oh, I mought mm-hmm. this was going to be a little more light and fun. And like there's still like that humor there in kind of different doses in different ways. But yeah. I thought it was a really, really fun, like a really interesting take on like another like classic cartoon thing, but just in a totally different direction that was just really engaging and kind of heartbreaking, but... Like, pretty inspiring by the end. Yeah. Yeah. Did you read it, Roman? I did read it. And <clears throat> loved all the stuff you guys. And the whole thing with his dad, the final scene, which I hadn't realized for sure that that, that was his father, even in, even with this scene. I was like, is this? Yeah. It but is yeah, that sad. final yeah. discussion was so good. Um, oh, there was a certain line... Oh, just the lines like, sometimes we become so preoccupied with the plot of life that we forget it's only the characters who matter. Oh, man. <laughs> and yeah, this is such a great wrap-up to this series. I really wonder what how he's going to do Dread. I mean, how is, how is he going to do these kind of themes? His, his... First issue kind of hints at it. Yeah, it's going to be quite something. I kind of want him to be my dad. So Mark, Russell? Mark Russell? You Mark Russell, Dredd will you be, be my dad? dad? Oh, <laughs> Like my Trudge Dread be your dad. That'd be Man, horrible. I fell apart fast. <laughs> I still want Trent Reznor to be my dad. <laughs> Trent Reznor. Uh, I, I give this a nine and a half. And I give the series a nine and a half. I, you got to trust it past the first issue. The first issue, mm. 
like I almost dropped it after that first issue. I, I didn't like it, and I muscled through, and and it's holy shit. We I I've heard from a lot of people that this issue is an emotional roller coaster that is an explosive fireworks show at the end. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What do you give it, gray shirt? Um, There's a fuck ton of Eevee in colors on his shirt. Yeah, but that's the print. His shirt's gray. Yeah, but don't disregard the colors for the print. What's the gag? Life is about <laughs> the, it's about the colors, not the it's about life is about the print, not the cloth. All right, all right. Will you be my dad? Yeah. Are <laughs> right, you my Thanks, dad? Mark. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll go ten and ten. I I don't think I really disliked anything about it. Um, yeah. Like. The art didn't blow me away or anything, but, like, I didn't dislike it. Like, I thought mm-hmm. it was pretty cool. And, like, the way he drew all these, like, cartoon animal characters as, like, pretty human, but, yeah. like, still just weirdly colored and fun. Like, I thought it was an interesting balance that he handled pretty well. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll, 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 yeah, I'll give it the series 10 and this issue a 10. It was, it was so good. I feel like an asshole now. For yeah. why? Because I only gave it a nine and a half. I'm sorry, Mark Russell. You're, you're Facebook friends with the writer, and you're not you're not giving his book a ten. I, I guess not. They're like <laughs> you should really be Facebook good friends with friends. me, Mark Russell. <laughs> Roman and I read Sword Daughter number one by Brian Wood and Mac Chater with colors by Jose Villarubia. Will you be my sword dad? <laughs> only if you will forever be my sword daughter. Okay. You're all my sword brothers. Um, and this sword bros. This book I read right after <laughs> Isola. <laughs> which I wish that I had done those books in reverse order now for the for the for the conversation because we it, can switch them. Ooh, let's do it. It's your Good podcast. Segue. Can All right, <laughs> segue out oh of Sword God. Daughter. Jeff, yeah. speaking of, switch. we've got to fix the timeline. Oh God, Jango. <laughs> let's fix the timeline. We're going to read Isola first. Oh man, Isola number three by all those undercut boys. I'm so sweaty from always fixing the timeline. Yeah, I love how you just sort of grab one timeline with one hand, you grab the other one with the other, and you just sort of pull them together like Spider Man in Spider Man Two when he's pulling that. That's a lot of work. I I usually theory. just fly around the planet super fast backwards. I love that about you. The you daily s- planet? You Well, the, the, the planet Earth. You figured out what worked, and you've just stuck to it. Yeah. I like that. So now that Brayden has flown backwards around the Earth enough times for us to have Isola go before Sword Daughter. Isola number three. Yeah, Brendan Fletcher, Carl Kershaw, and Misayek. Um... You guys, I did it. I did what I had talked about doing last time, which is from now on, I am reading this book without reading any words. I'm doing the whole thing visually uh, with the art in it. So some, uh, let me tell guts. y'all what happened in this book. Um, we've got our androgynous protagonist who's still beat up after the last issue, and they are separated from our queen tiger who's oh. with our... Um, Billy Bob Thornton from Princess Mononoke character, and the tiger is guiding Billy Bob through a swamp, cut back to our protagonist. She's been picked up by a gang of raiders, and there's definitely moments where you can say you can see that he's telling her things that she doesn't want to hear but knows, but then angrily she can respond by telling him something that he can't deny. Um, cut back to Billy Bob Thornton and the tiger going through here. Similarly, the 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 queen who's been turned into a tiger is uh, 
needing to lower herself from the pulpit that she's been on and appreciate the lower class and allow herself to appreciate the knowledge this guy has. He's got some lessons he's going to teach her. Uh, like we, a monk. We got, yeah, what a monk. Um, then we've got uh, androgynous Supergirl, and she is still running around with this group. They're exchanging uh, hard truths. And then Billy Bob Thornton jumps in the water and starts guiding Tiger towards a sort of fantasy land where there's some big god-looking forest spirits and uh, androgynous superhero um, escapes with what looks like the help of possibly a forest spirit in the guise of a fox. And uh, it looks like at the end, um, the our, our andro superstar is meeting back up with our tiger. However, that tiger... Uh, went into the house that Billy Bob told told that they were guiding towards. Anyway, now now Tiger has a human body, maybe the body that she, she used to have, Whoa. but she's got a tiger head. And uh, it's still possibly the prettiest book on the stands. I don't know. How did I do, guys? Oh, I, I would cool. say you got about 60% right. Okay, that's what, kind of what I was shooting for. One, one thing that uh, I didn't notice until you were given this breakdown is that the first few pages are a flashback okay. to before the queen gets turned into a tiger. So, like, she, the queen oh, wakes up okay, and sees, okay. sees her buddy all shot full of holes with a fox next to her. Okay, I right? thought that was her shot full of holes from the end of the second no, issue. No, and that's what I thought at first. Uh -huh. But this, this is a flashback. And then if you look at when the tiger comes out of the pit, out of the, the Brendan Fletcher Lazarus pit, uh -huh. and she's got the tiger head still, she's wearing the same outfit that the queen was okay. wearing before. So. It's her and her body with the tiger head, which is what I sort of gotten out of it. Yeah. Um, Brayden, are you reading this book? I didn't read this one. Okay. Um, I read the heard the last one though. I wish I could just give the colorist like mm. five dollars a month and not. She have to does read this all of it. Book. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it either. <laughs> I don't well, like not liking I don't, it because it's really pretty. That's the thing. I'm really conflicted about Wait, it. Why I, don't you like it? I think I think the. The dialogue is real bad and just basic. Yeah, just like setting, bad basic. Absolutely Wait, nothing for me. The colorist you like? I love yeah. the color. The okay, art good. is amazing. Okay, good. Yeah. I think the colorist is really good. I it's, think the artist is pretty. This good. is the same person. The is person it? is okay. doing all of the art. This is very uh, well done on yeah. that. Yeah. I don't like the story. It's, I don't like the story, and I don't like the words that are in the story. I think the swearing is really bad, and I. I think you've got the right idea, but I don't think that the cartooning is quite good enough to give you and, the actual story. And I totally agree. That's what I got out of it is that while the art is totally gorgeous, it's not cartooning. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not sequential storytelling. It is a combination of word and art, but it's not art. Like, I think, like, you know, when I'm looking at these comics, when I'm evaluating them in my head, it's how well can, like, the art focuses a whole comic itself. How well can the, the words focus the whole comic itself? Like, yeah, comics can just be fine, but I would rather a book really show me highest instances of what the medium can offer. Yeah. And while the art is incredible, it's not super fluid in terms of boxes, how to get here to here. I do like the paneling a lot, um, but the story seems like as generic fantasy as it, as it could be. And it it's like really... A lot in my mind, it feels very much like Princess Mononoke. Like it, mm. they're going a little bit too hard into the like. It's kind of like a Miyazaki comic. It's like, yeah, we're doing a Miyazaki comic. My yeah. problem was that it, it felt like that, and it's clear what they're going for. But like, 
it's still got some really dark stuff and like it got a little rapey in the last one and like that's nothing like that you would ever see in a Miyazaki For movie sure. and like that kind of bothered me and kind of took me out of it. I think I think this the swearing is a nitpicky thing to be hung up on. It is. I, it is. I, I, and it I absolutely disagree. I think that like when something like writing in vernacular is as common in 2018 as it is, I think that it's totally fair to like see when people actually seem to be creating a new language or when they're actually like seemingly borrowing pre-existingly made up languages from other fiction. It mm. it didn't that wasn't a deal breaker for me before. Right. But the kind of the stereotypical way that the tiger's guide talks like it's very Chinese broken English. Well, I wouldn't know about that because I didn't read his words. Yeah, it's like soldier very special, strong mm. heart to match strong head, very mm. lucky to win heart of queen. Mm. Shut up. Uh, I give this a six for the art. Really just for the art. I'm going to give it a six also. I, I really like the art, and um, reading it this way is what affected the, re the, the three or four subsequent books that I read because I sort of processed taking into taking into account, you know, not reading words or how much, like, visual storytelling a book does, which is why I went from this into Sword Daughter, which transition. Um, yeah. And that is what I think was so amazing about this book was, like, how the art and the text interacted with each other and the way, like, when words were used or when they weren't used. So, like, even related to that, like, in vernacular discussion from the previous book or like his broken English that he was using like she's like so this book is yeah Brian Wood and Mac Chater Jose Villarubia um a young girl who finds her father who's basically been catatonic for a number of years after everything he knows was destroyed and she basically wakes him up all of that is not mentioned um explicitly and it's the first sort of day or two of, sort of. them being huh, <laughs> um, sword daughter of but the way that this book uses sparsity of language like there's so much visual storytelling going on the female protagonist I don't know her name or if we even learn it but uh, she doesn't speak at all she just her only text bubbles are in like visual emoticon, but not even emoticon, but like, you know, like her text bubbles, there's waves in it. Or at one point, there's just a big X. Huh. Um, She's mad. Yeah. And like, that to me is such a more effective way of just like, we're being vague, but you can generate the content. And it's it, the perfect parameters around that. Um, I, I don't know, Roman, what, what did you think? This, I guess, I was just really stunned at how different this book functioned like you could have read a lot of this without any text and just sort of like feel your way through it and using those text bubbles that have visual cues um and i was just stunned at how well it worked here and didn't necessarily work well yeah. on the other one yeah it really does because yeah you're right i hadn't thought about that but you could read this <clears throat> without any of the text and still get most of the gist though you i, I think i would have been more confused about the, her relationship right. to the to the man who, when she goes up to him in the beginning, he's just sitting against a tree, and apparently we find out that's her father, and he's been 
she's been taking care of them for the last 10 years since their village was invaded by Vikings and the rest of his family was slaughtered except for her and then he went catatonic and now he wakes up um, and yeah it's just he wakes up and realizes I want to go find these guys and get revenge and the blacksmith guy and what's left of this little settlement is like but you still have a daughter here she's your family take care of her and he's like oh yeah and he's totally and, resistant to it yeah because he doesn't mention, know his daughter he right. doesn't know this daughter and she doesn't really know him even though she's been keeping him and alive. he's like well how does she like she doesn't even know me and they're like who do you think has been taking care of you for 10 years yeah and uh, and the art it's, it's deceptively simple right but it's beautiful beautiful visual storytelling yeah um, just the feel you get for this land they're in, which is somewhere in northern Scotland. At one time they mentioned the they're on one of the northern Scottish islands. Um, and the place names here, I don't know if they're real place names or if they made them up, but I, I went so far as I was Googling them trying to figure out, because I wanted to find out where this is around Scotland somewhere. And the place names, I, I think, I don't know if they're actually based on real historical places. And um, I didn't mention that there is a narration going on from her in what seems like the future. Yeah, I think. And none of that, like, felt like nothing felt poorly done in this. And I think Brian mm. Wood is a fantastic writer. We seldom, like, sell a ton of his books. Like, he usually, you know, we usually sell about between eight and ten copies of the series that he writes. And I'm really pumped that we sold out of this first book. Um, but yeah, it's just like, it's clearly somebody who's been writing comics for 20 years and has always sort of experimented with how they're doing it and pushed the envelope and has a voice. And yeah, I, I there was just something about this that seemed like really incredibly efficient comic booking. Like it was just really well done. Yeah, and I can't I'm remember. I'm that I missed it. Um, yeah. And I can't remember, did Brian Wood write Northlanders? Yeah. Okay. So it's in that vein. Yeah, yeah. Um, which the only thing sometimes that would bug me in there and here there's like one or two instances that draws me out a little bit because I'm always like, you know, would somebody in whatever year this is in this time period have such modern kind of vernacular? That's a Brian Wood thing. Like, Isn't it? He, yeah. Because in Northlanders it, he did that. He did it in Northlanders. He did it in Black Road. I don't know if he did it in the Revolutionary War one that he did, but it's... Oh, Rebels. Rebels, yeah. It it really... Once I noticed it in Northlanders, it really took me out of the series, and I might have even bailed on it. I didn't read Northlanders, that. but I would love to see an instance of it in it, here. It's what bothered me in Northlanders. And here it's just very slight, but um, when his buddy, the, the blacksmith or, or the shipbuilder, is talking to him, um, just the way he says, by all means, run off on some vengeance mission. Leave her... Leave her behind. She won't mind that one bit. That's the thing with abandonment, right? Gets easier the second time. And just the way he said, that's the thing with abandonment, right? I was that's like, you like know, is that what these Norse-descended dudes in 1066 Scotland, right, would they really like have that kind of delivery? Social manipulation mechanism <laughs> yeah. built out of 21st century And of course, I know Western it's a little nitpicky because, you know, I'm a modern person. I don't know how they spoke back then, of course. But yeah. I am going to give this a 10 because I really enjoyed it and I think that it was just really, really, really well done. Not a 10.5? Uh, I'll go 10.5, actually. 
we get to go we can go above 10 you can do whatever you want oh my god oh. well i mean you actually have to text <laughs> phil we just created an our dog monster mm. i'm giving this a 25 <laughs> row monster <laughs> no I'll, I'll i'll do a straight up 10 i'm wow. so i mean so far this is my favorite brian wood thing i've read <laughs> oh wait a minute do you see that that looks like Brayden oh, riding in on horseback with his spurs oh, on. He's got his cowboy oh, hat. No. Looks like a 10-gallon, if I'm, you were to ask I'm me. putting all this gear on I as quickly as I can. I love his soft brown leather vest he always wears. Okay, good. Minute and a half, go. Uh, Dazzler number one. It was one shot. Um, it was super cool. Dazzler's great. And, like, I don't know how I found out about Dazzler, but, like, as soon as I did, like, I was just... This character's awesome because she's a disco star and she makes like light out of sound and fights Galactus or hangs out with Galactus at some point. Um, Not not in this book. But uh, no, this was super awesome and it felt like an X Men book that was really like relevant, I thought. Like, because, and it came out like, especially now, like during like Pride Month where there's a lot of kind of like infighting over like, like, Groups that feel like identities and exclusivity, exclusivity. I don't exclusivity. know. Exclusivity. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it, like in, in this one, there's like uh, a bunch of uh, mutants and Inhumans, and she's uh, throwing all these rock shows for everybody, and like kind of advertising them as super inclusive spaces for like mutants and Inhumans and everybody to come hang out. But there's um, some mutants who are being really nasty and like bigoted towards inhumans and trying to like get them out of the shows. And at first for a while, she's just kind of dealing with it and being like, Hey, knock it off and stuff. But like by the end, they do some really shitty stuff and like try to actually keep some inhumans from coming. And she just like punches them out and it's great. And it's just like, it just felt really good and like cathartic. Well, that's kind of what the X-Men were about Wait, initially, right? Yeah. It was like... And I feel like I haven't really, had that feeling captured in a while. And I need clarification. Really well. <clears throat> you said she kicked some inhumans' asses? Yeah, some, some mutants' were, asses who were... Who was being a bully? Uh, she was being inclusive and having people come in. There was this particular group of, of mutants who were being... Uh, yeah, what are they Very called? prejudiced. They, it's like Mutant Alliance of something, yeah, something or other. Like were they being prejudiced towards inhumans? Yeah, yeah okay. the, the analogy I drew for them, which I think may have even been intentional, was like uh, TERFs. Um, if you're familiar with that term, but no, it's uh, trans exclusionary radical feminists. It's people who claim to be feminists, but also like exclude trans women from like okay. women's spaces and stuff like that. Which not fuck so that. inclusive. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. Yikes. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, and that works really well with this Marvel thing since like Inhumans and mutants have this weird thing that's been bubbling for five years in our world now of sort of the Inhumans killed the mutants. So it does make sense that like even a minority group of the mutants would be prejudiced against Inhumans. Mm -hmm. You know, like that type of subtlety I think is is on point. So what do you give it? Uh, I would give it a nine out of ten. I I had a lot of fun. What do you think Um, I would give it? uh, Probably like a six or a six and a half. That's kind of what I was guessing. That's why I didn't read it. Yeah. But maybe I'll read it now. It sounds a little more interesting than I thought it would be. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it, yeah. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna go. Go. See you. Oh, okay. Well, we have a podcast can you tell me when I get to a minute? Sure. Okay. You're just going to rap? 
I've got a rap for my boys today, and it's about Doctor Strange in a major way. Fuck, I wanted to rhyme <laughs> boys, and then I couldn't, and I just defaulted. Um, Your mystical toys. So this, that was good. Rap for me, Roman. Uh, I was not excited about this. It's been a while since there was a Mark Wade book that I was really, really liking, and the cover to me you is got a minute. gross. Um <laughs> But the interior art was spectacular, and I don't necessarily like the main thrust of the story because Doctor Strange just keeps losing his magic, and that seems kind of like a silly mechanism to me. But the art was fantastic. Roman or Braden, I want to use the rest of my time to hear about Go Go Power Rangers. Go Go oh, Go Go. <laughs> what um, is this? Are we still shattered gridding? How far in are we? What's we going are, on? and it's I have I still have cool no idea Zord how on there. how much of that story is a part of this or not. But there's some really great uh, like Skull and Billy stuff that's. Been kind of building. I want to see more of that, but Bill um, thing. Yes, it's been like kind of being dragged down by this shattered grid stuff, which I think is kind of a bummer. But this issue in particular had a. How good is the Zord stuff? It's that's it's cool pretty good. Zord. There's a they they morph every now and then, and like you know in the in the show every time they morph it's the same thing. They all shout their dinosaur and do it and stuff. But like at least three times in this series, they've done really unique panels or pages where they morph in cool different ways. That's what I like to hear. Okay. So, oh, wow, that is a cool morph. Right? That's yeah. Interesting use of the buckshot. I think the last one or another one, they, like, had all of them, like, doing the morphing pose, but, like, on one page, like, split into five separate parts, like a pie chart or something. Huh. Like, it was, it was fun. Um, yeah, you know, I... We ran out of some books that I read this week, so I don't have them here. And I was I was going to do Doctor Strange and Man of Steel, but I think Roman and I both wanted to buckshot both of those, so I thought I would divide it. And I have really been enjoying vicariously experiencing the Power Rangers event through Braden. <laughs> I, I like yeah. it. I approve, yeah, of, too. I approve of your methods. Yeah. Um, Jang, Django. Hey. What? Wait. What? You're not named after that musician, are you? No. Okay. Let's get that buckshot, though. He's named after me. I read Man of Steel number two. Uh, it was pretty good. I don't remember a whole lot about it. Uh, I really liked that there was an appearance by our buddy Ambush Bug, Ambush Bug who only Roman and I probably appreciated. <laughs> um, and I was a little bit disappointed that firefighter, firefighter lady didn't show up again. I think she's going to turn out to be a bad guy. <gasps> Death or Glory, number two. I liked this more than the first issue. Also, it got way dirtier than the first issue. There's dudes putting peppers in each other's butts. Yikes. Paper Girls, number 21. <laughs> uh, cops putting peppers in each other's butts. Paper Girls, number 21. Uh, I, this book has lost a lot of its urgency for me. It has felt like a serial monster of the week story, and this issue, this issue hooked me again. It's, mm. it's going to be back on the top of my reading list. And then uh, I also read The Walking Dead number one eighty, and uh, they're still walking. Sure, they're still walking. They're still uh, dead. There's there's a lot of very interesting, very tense conversation in this that. Until I read this issue, I probably wouldn't have trusted Kirk Meyer, Kirk Kirkman Kirkman. To uh, pull off, he's uh, he he wears all his characters' hearts on their sleeves so often, and this time there was some tenseness that I I really appreciated. Did you even start the goddamn timer? No, but the last time you were on the podcast was that time I did that very good goof about stopping the clock. If you all remember, 
It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember? No. You don't remember when I stopped the thing and he just kind of kept talking? Oh, Maybe you weren't I, I here. That, yeah. Maybe you weren't here. That was hilarious. That's very funny. It was very good. He had a whole mouthful of worms. This guy. <laughs> like he's, you know, flailing in the water thinking he's drowning when it's only like three feet deep. Exactly. That's Roman, though. Push him out of a helicopter. Um, on is, the ground. Was Death or Glory 2 better than number one? Yes. I think it was better than number okay, one. Okay, I really liked number one. Yeah. Uh, it. I liked the character building that it did here. Like, the first issue introduced the characters really well. This issue advances them. And it it's advancing them a lot quicker than a lot of stories do. Okay. Um, the... I don't know how I felt about the, the grossness that they added because the, it definitely went from being something that felt like it could be an all-ages comic to something that is absolutely not an all-ages comic. And not not in a super graphic way, but I don't want to explain to my, you know, my 10, 15, 16-year-old why a cop would put habanero peppers in another cop's butt. It's habanero. And, uh, I don't think it is. Habanero. And <laughs> Sclerp. There was the like some nudity and stuff in that first issue. I would never give a recommender book to uh, to was, anyone very underneath the sixteen. Nudity, I yeah, I guess I don't remember the nudity. There's 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 like really gross surgery scenes and I oh, mean yeah. to be fair, my favorite part of Natural Born Killers is when Robert Downey Jr. gets on the phone to his wife, who you never see, and he says, "I'm going to come home and I'm going to stick a hot pepper up your arse," and she says, "Oh no, you're not." I don't know if you guys remember that part, but <laughs> um, that's also my favorite part of Ocean's Eleven. Oh, <laughs> I like the part where they like dance with all the lasers. Yeah, and you, and then after that, you got Claire de Lune playing at the fountain. Oh, that was my yeah. favorite part. Uh, seven and a half for Rick Remender, seven and a half for Walking Dead, seven and a half for Paper Girls, and uh, six and a half for Man of Steel. Dude, I fix it, Bendis. Fucking fix it. I. <laughs> want to know what's going on with The Walking Dead. I Did this seem like anything happened in this New World Order arc? Like, this is six of six. Did it... So... Like, give me some spoilers. It seems like there has not been a big thing that's happened in this book in, like, 60 issues. It's been a while since you read it, right? It's been, like, 20 issues since I read it. So you might have seen the beginning of where Eugene was on the radio yep. and he talked to a woman. Mm -hmm. She eventually trusted him enough to tell him where they were. Mm -hmm. And so a party went out to meet her. And when they got there, it was all these people dressed up like stormtroopers. And they're guarding this huge community. And in that community, there are there, there's a definite hierarchy, including a woman who is the governor, which kind of echoes the governor that was so horrible. Um, it The whole thing works pretty well. They've got a pretty good military um, but there's this, like, the haves and the have-nots. Mm -hmm. So there are people who, if they were rich before, they're still rich. And if they were poor before, they're still getting shit on. And so in this issue, which is the last issue of this arc, the governor goes to meet Rick. And Rick is just kind of mystified that they would keep the old social order going. And so it's just kind of him giving her a tour around their community and... There's, it's just this undertone of the way you do this is fucked up. No, the way you do this is fucked up. But they're being really nice on the surface. It was, it was a lot of subtle words, which I don't ever expect from mm -hmm. Kirkman. And that's that was why I liked it. Gosh. But also, Negan's doing crazy shit. Like, he's missing right now. But I'm interested in the around. Negan stuff, but that just sounds sort of like the same Walking Dead story we've been getting for 
like since issue 90. But this is a bunch of people being nice to each other about it. And it doesn't, I don't know that they need to go to war over this. They might just live and let live. Yeah. And Michonne is staying in the in the new community. Oh. As a lawyer. Because her daughter's there. Because they right? have lawyers. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. just, yeah, that's really interesting social stuff. It's basically, since issue 90, just sort of been like, cultures meeting other cultures mm-hmm. and then disagreeing and killing each other. Yeah. But still good. Like, you, you could say the same thing about Invincible, which was great. It was like, good guys meet bad guys yeah, and fight. Yeah, but the big difference? Color. Mm. True. It's colored. All right, Roman. Let's get those, uh, let's oh get those um, little buckets of buckets of joy. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to do Man of Steel and Doctor Strange because we all read so many of the same books. I like Man of Steel number two by Bendis and Shaner and Rude and Sinclair. I like it better than the first one, um, partly because we don't see the new villain at all. Um, some things are cleared up. Some of this Galactic Council, we're a little clearer on them. Toy Man shows up, and I'm really curious if Toy Man, if it's still continuity that he murdered Cat Grant's son. Cause that used to be continuity. I don't know if still is. I don't even know who Cat Grant is. I'm sorry. She's Supergirl's boss on the small on the Supergirl TV show. Uh. Anyway, <laughs> the way Superman talks to Toy Man here and and it's great Superman stuff cuz he's just like, "You know, Winslow, you could have been such a good guy. You could help so many people. It's just great Superman that, that he still has hope, second chances for people." Get a little hint about what happened to Lois and Jonathan Kent. And then we go into another sequence in space where Ambush Bug is, and it's by Steve Rude, and that part is beautiful. Beautiful artwork. I love Steve Rude. Classic Superman stuff. Classic little nods with Ambush Bug, the pinstripe suit that Clark has, this great thing with Perry White and the way it dissolves. Gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. And the final panel, we do see the villain, but it's by Steve Rude, and it's a nod to Lobo's first appearance, and that's pretty cool. Um, and then Doctor Strange number one. I actually ended up liking this more than I thought it would. This is going to be interesting. Strange in space. I was leery, but I'll give Doctor Strange number one a seven. I'll give Man of Steel. going to shit out another ten. Nope, nope, nope. I'll give Man of Steel number two. That wasn't his ten face. (laughs) No, yeah. I'll give Man of Steel. Actually, I'll give Man of Steel number two. I'll give that uh, I'll give that a seven because of Steve Rude and Ambush Bug. What do you think of the different art on that Man of Steel? Was the, the first diff- one? Do you mean the Steve well, Rude? It had to be. No, it's just a lot of part? artists. I don't so remember. What I like oh. is that Jay they're Fabok? doing some interesting, like, threading oh, stuff. Like, Jay, Jason Fabok did these two pages that were the last two pages of the first issue. And it's those same. It's that same final page of like Lois and Clark and John, oh, that part. and okay. there's some big light showing them. Yeah. And. And and is that an Omega Titan, or what is something? That? It's something huge. It yeah. could be an Omega Titan. Um, this one, yeah, it was weird. Like, I like that there is some mystery going on of what happened with Lois and yeah. John. I do too. It's not just simply Bendis ignoring continuity. Right. There's it's, a re- there's a reason. Yeah, and I didn't shocker. I actually didn't love Steve Rude's art in this one. I actually didn't really care for the art in this issue, kind of across the board. Except for the Jason Fabic pages, the two. But Steve Rude, it's just it's kind of like heavy inks and stuff to me. I don't know. It. I really like the Steve Rude. Yeah, I, 
it took a while f- for me to like him in the Flintstones as well. Who's this one? Or who was that? Was Steve Leohola, right? No, Steve Pugh. That was Steve Pugh. That was yeah. Steve Pugh. There yeah. we go. Okay, yeah. Steve and, Pugh and Steve Root. And isn't it Steve Leohola? He did one of the issues. Possibly. Steve yeah. Rude, Steve Root does a lot of like classic. Like, Root does super, like Future Quest or something, right? That's Chainer. I know. Yeah, that's, that's Doc Chainer. Who did the first part of this? Doing? Steve Root did uh, the, the prestige format World's Finest. He did. He rose to prominence doing uh, that science fiction series Nexus. Rose to prominence. Rose. <laughs> Um, he did the Hulk Superman miniseries in the 90s. That was he pretty awesome. He did Superman, or he did a thing recently. He does a lot of classic looks. I love this characters. fucking panel. Was that him? No, that's, that's the Jason Fabic page. Fabic. That, that panel's <laughs> fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, like, classic, like, old superhero comic Superman. Like. old Superman. Oh, all right. I got a Superman thing to say. Go do it. We got Great row. we got a bunch of old action comics in the other day at Moonbase, and I was kind of laughing at them. Oh, look at this stupid comic! And then I read one, and Superman's in this small town, and he's got this little meteorite that he's holding in his hands. Sure. And he says, "If I move even a fraction of an inch, this is going to explode." Hmm. And so I have to tell the town to evacuate. So he tells the people around him to go get a cop evacuate the town, and the problem is the longer he holds it still, the more powerful it becomes. What? So they, he's like, you guys, according to my calculations, you got two hours to evacuate the Your town. Your fucking calculations. This is fucking math wizard. And as far as you get, you'll be safe as long as I don't drop it for two hours, and I drop it in two hours. Oh my right? gosh. So they evacuate the town, and Superman's counting down, because he's got a super internal clock or whatever, and Right before the two hours is up, this kid on crutches shows up. <laughs> yes. And he says, Superman, where is everybody? I was in the basement of the orphanage making models. <laughs> and it's like the most heavy-handed, like, you can't kill this kid because he's an orphan and he can't walk. And he makes models. And he makes models. <laughs> like, And Superman says, you got to get out of here. And the kid says, no, I, like... I know what's going on because you explained it to me, and I can't. It, it would take me hours to get out of town on hobbling like this. You gotta drop it because I know that the longer you hold it, the bigger the explosion's gonna be. And what if it destroys the whole world? And Superman's like, "No, I'm not gonna. I'm too good. I'm not gonna do that and kill you." And so the kid we don't trade lives. Steals Superman's cape <laughs> and starts fashioning it into a noose. He says, I know if I try to kill myself, you're going to have to drop that. What the fuck? <laughs> Whoa. So good. So dark. And How's Superman he, drops it. How's he get... And the kid... The kid doesn't die because Superman used his super freeze breath to blow the cape into a shield around the kid. Okay. So he saved the kid and the town. But, like, that oh. kind of choice... And this is 71, maybe? It's like Action Comics 401, 402, maybe. Yeesh. Yeah. Uh, I didn't expect to get that much emotional impact from a Superman comic. That's awesome. And uh, I think Bendis should go back and read that issue. Do we have that on microfiche? Nope. <laughs> nope. you got to come smell it when you read it. Hmm. He's been doing Future Quest stuff and Future Quest covers, and he did oh, really? Commandy Challenge, and he did old 
Hanna-Barbera stuff back in the day and some Superman stuff. It's surprising to me that, that uh, Doc Shaner is my least favorite of the art in that issue. Well, I was... Because I really like Doc Shaner. Yeah, I didn't That's, think his art was super great. He did, like, the yeah. first two-thirds, and that just looked, like, really... Like, the first page was nice, but, yeah, the art just looked, like, really sort of basic DC stuff from the last several years. The colors are really nice. Colors are real nice. I mean, look yeah. at that. That's It's the barrier space background. Oh yeah, yeah. you're totally right. Um, I, I wish that I could just read newsroom stuff instead of instead of a Superman story here. Yeah. Like Bendis, give me a Daily Planet series. And I think he, he's hmm. really good at doing the the people around Superman. So that's yeah. that's what I want to read. Um I I like the idea of it's almost like they're doing a thing almost like what they did with Commandy Challenge, which is like the artists like it seems like they're leading up to the end of an issue putting... I guess I thought that the first issue ended with Jason Fabic art and then he was doing art in this issue, which is in a, incorrect, but I like the idea of sort of chaining artists not just by issue by issue, but sort of having them have pages and books that then lead into the next book. I thought well, that was cool. basically Action Comics and Superman zippered together? Well, I, I, I don't you know, know if I mean? he'll do something like that when he is writing both those books. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like each issue has a different big DC artist on it, and I don't know. That's that's an interesting that's an interesting thing to Did do. Did you guys get invited to the Batman-Catwoman wedding? I got, like, a, a dozen at least. I didn't get invited. You didn't? Can I be one of your plus ones? Mm, I, I only go solo to party. Okay. Django, do you... Um, um, Already, I already I'm have. Bringing, yeah, I'm bringing a guy. Who are you? And Roman, are you going or? <laughs> I was disinvited. Okay. Oh, so cool, do you yeah. want to hang I out? I mean, I kind of, I kind of yeah, gave him the heads out. up. Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> That's fine. That's fair. Because <laughs> I'm gonna go hang out with Captain America that day anyway. Oh well. Yeah. And Spider Man. I'm gonna hang out with Spider Man. Are they getting I go married? To see Batman. They're all having new books that day. Oh. All of them? Wow. wow. Yeah. It's going to be a big day. It's going to be, right. be a holiday. It's the 4th of July when they, when all that goes down. Oh. So we're closed that day, right? No, <laughs> not this year, buddy. Hey, speaking of weddings. <laughs> speaking of weddings, good, good, Sidgwick. <laughs> hey, Django, who's the best man in your wedding? Uh, Dan Brooks. Oh, fuck yeah. Also, one of the two witnesses. I got married in the courthouse, dude. That's nice. Dan Brooks and his wife, Max, nice. Eli. Me, Kim, and a judge. Nice. Yeah. You married a judge? I did not marry a judge. I married Kim. Good call. Yeah. yeah. That's why he keeps a judge around. That, Keep I, the good calls. Uh, Tom King <laughs> wrote, Michael Jannon uh, arted all over this, and June Chung colored it. Michael Shannon, the actor? Uh, no, Jannon. Oh. Uh, so this Michael, is... night special, midnight special Jannon. Michael <laughs> Jannon. <laughs> Uh, Batman number 48, which starts with the Joker killing a church full of people. Um, and then singing the Batman song. Yeah. With the, uh, also, much like Scott Snyder's metal, uh, an inaccurate number of nana nanas, but oh, whatever. Oh, what a, what a bonehead. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe, maybe, maybe I song. shouldn't be referencing that Adam West TV show when I read those nana nanas. I think you have to. Yeah. This whole issue is just. Joker talking with the exception of the first page, which is the guy that gets murdered by him. The whole issue is Joker talking, so the last page has Catwoman, and then Batman does say the word amen at one point. Yeah. I mean, that's basically Joker talking too, though. Yeah, that's true. Ooh. Manipulation. Mm-hmm. Manipulator, brah. Amen, manipulation. The one who says it's bat All right, I gotta go, guys. Yeah. All right, sorry. <laughs> sorry, the poor Mantos are gonna... Um... <laughs> I really like this issue. 
Just super, um, super goofy, super funny guy, that Joker. Well, yeah, and at some point he holds himself hostage, which is... Well, because he ran out of hostages. <laughs> yeah, which is genius. Like, <laughs> of course Batman's not going to kill him if he's ready to kill himself, and maybe the Joker is. You never know. That's the thing about the Joker. Uh, the Yeah. The, the paneling here is great. We've only got one issue before the actual wedding, and so we see Catwoman at the end quoting Bruce, telling her not to not to go help him fight the Joker. Um, so, like, we have an entire issue of Joker stuff that just really ends up in one one page telling us more about the relationship between Batman and Catwoman than anything else. Roman pointed this out to me, but did you see that it's the Moore Cathedral on Balland Ave? Yeah. That stuff impresses me less and less the older I get. Really? They're doing it a, they've been doing it a lot, I feel like. Yeah. Though I liked it particularly in here, because this is kind I of... I didn't even this, notice This it. kind of feels like a a, a nice like companion piece to um, Batman Killing. and their relationship and Killing Joke. Killing Joke, yeah. Yeah, because it's basically Joker telling jokes like he does at the end of that. Yeah, I'm talking about love. I... Yeah, I just liked it. I think that I needed to I need to read this again, but way slower. I think I read it in like ten minutes, and I don't know. I feel like it would really benefit from for me for slowing it down. I read this right after Justice League, so I was ready to slow down. And yeah, this did that perfectly for me. Yeah, I I got through it kind of quick, and then didn't really know what it was about. And yeah, that's I don't know I think I don't I don't think I was in the right space when I was reading it I still think it was a really good book but I kind of finished it and was like I didn't get anything out of that and I I think that it just, it's an interesting Joker voice and it's a lot of Joker talking and I don't know I I preferred his Joker in that free issue that came out like that conversation mm-hmm. um I, I don't know. It, it, it's an interesting thing. It's basically a whole issue of one person talking out loud. And it's a super interesting person talking out loud. And I definitely did not dislike it. But it it was chaotic in the way that it would be if you were listening to the Joker talk for that long. But And I, then, you know, he has the, the Joker then says, like, break the damn thing. You know, that's gonna, oh, does he? Yeah, he says like that's gonna break my damn heart or something, and or or I'll blow my damn head off is what he says, and I, I don't need Tom King to say my damn anything ever again. Um, <laughs> and then you know the final page is Catwoman, and she's quoting Bruce, and she says, "Stay here, Cat. He's not like anyone else, Cat. He's dangerous too, Cat. He'll hurt you, Cat. He'll kill you, Cat. Stay here, my love, please." And none of that felt. I don't know. That was a. That was just a weird. I couldn't picture Batman talking that well, way to her. She's paraphrasing, like... Yeah. And she's making fun of him. I'm sure she's not yeah. saying, like, word for word. And also, the page before, Joker says that uh, uh, love just, is true north, love is salvation, love is paradise. Head toward it. Head toward love. And remember, everything else is chaos. And then Catwoman heads towards love. Uh, I would I would give this Batman an eight and a half... Yeah, I'm going to read this. I, I liked it a lot. I give this issue of Batman an 8. You know, one of the cool things about this, just the coloring and art is beautiful, but did you notice on the coloring how Joker 
he colors them. His nose has a little pink. His ears have a little mm. pink, suggesting mm. that it, the white is makeup and it's not just his skin color, which mm. a lot of people kind of mm. say they like is. Like he's been like bleached. White. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Hmm. I like that little touch. What do you give it? Oh, man. Just for the battering to the cheek. <laughs> um, God, I, I, I've been giving out too many 10s this time, but I might give this a 10 as well. Our dog. Our dog don't give a damn. I was in the right mood when I read this, and yeah, it's another, there were so many good comics this week. The panel of the rubble after the explosion. I had to look at that a bunch of times because I couldn't find them. Yeah, they're in there. Yeah. I, Excuse me? Yeah, Batman and Joker are both laying there in the rubble. Yeah. What do you give it, Rubble Boy? Um, I think I'm going to go with the eight. Well, no, let's go with a nine. Um, it was very good, and I, I was definitely hearing uh, Mark Hamill's voice throughout it, mm. um, <laughs> and I, it like made me wonder, like, what if Bruce had just like invited Joker to the wedding? Like, what would that have been like? like sure. It made me ask weird questions like that, and that was fun. I like the idea of reading as Mark Hamill. I didn't do that, but I read Justice League before this one, so I was still, like, mm. I had seen Joker in there. Do you guys think, uh, you think Michael Jannon will ever show us who he used for photo reference on the Joker? Because there's no way he doesn't have a model for these shots. It's very photographic. I don't know. His art is really interesting to me. Um, that like super digital cathedral shot yeah, that, that looks like, like a, page. a shot from Bloodborne that I'm playing yeah. right now. But like he has really digital stuff like in the Bane issues. Like there's some really like yeah. sort of clearly 3D modeling stuff. A lot of the coloring is like pretty digital looking. Um, it's interesting. I really like his art. Yeah. Well, June Chung is coloring these. Yeah. And... And she, I think she's been coloring him the whole time. Yeah, I think so, It looks yeah. the same. I love it. Um, man, do we, have any, do we have any phone calls? I don't know if we have any phone calls. Do we have, um, do we have a I phone here? I don't trust my fucking phone anymore. I keep leaving myself messages from the future. Um, if you're here at this point in the podcast, that means you have made it this point in the podcast so thanks for listening but if you've made it here um you should get on uh whatever app you use to listen to podcasts and leave us a review or give us a star rating or just write something but it helps other people uh find the podcast and it would be awesome if you could help others do that we had like a 15 percent bump in our listeners in the last couple of weeks and uh i'm i'm gonna assume because we haven't done any other real Advertising, I, I'm going to assume that it's because some people went out and did that. And yeah. that, that really does help. Yeah, I Do had, it to your other podcasts that you like, too. For but, sure. But start with us. Well, yeah, I mean, we're <laughs> definitely the best ones. Duh. Uh, you can also participate in this podcast mm-hmm. if you call in. I think I don't think we've ever not played a voicemail yet. I don't Maybe think so. One Maybe that, one got deleted or something. Yeah, but. it was one that had something weird. But you can call us, 1-619-663-7339. Six six three seven three three six. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if it's easier, and I found this to be easier when I sent a uh, voicemail into another podcast, just record it on your smartphone and send us that file to info at thecomicsplace.com. Yeah, give us the email, or write us an email. That's great too. Uh, info at thecomicsplace.com. Just say your thoughts, or say that you're listening out there, or anything. Um, it's really cool. Like Django said, we had a handful of people actually come in in the last week and say that they started listening to the podcast, and that's real cool. We love it. Did so, you know? 
Did you know? Did you know? Do we have another podcast? Yeah, it was. I actually mm. just felt like we should mention that. Yeah. Yeah. It's called the Infinity Con. Content. Con- Contlet? Inf- it's the Infinity Content. Infinity Content. Yeah. They did a Content episode. Infinity Content. And Roman's yes. on it. And I that's a yeah. that's a deep dive podcast uh, where they'll spend an hour, hour and a half uh, on a single on story. A single story. A single storyline. Graphic novel. Yep. Uh, and if you're pretty much monthly. Yeah, if you're pretty jonesing much. for the R Dog, um, there's some more uh, <laughs> more of that uh, R Dog Gatorade dripping down the old Infinity Content spigot. Who yeah. does our music? That's- Nick Wade. Does he have uh, our dog Gatorade dripping down his infinity spigot? He's about to give me a bunch more music, actually. But yeah, Ooh. Nick Wade, thanks a bunch for letting us use your tunes. You're wonderful. Um, everyone, tile for tracking everything we do. Jay Christensen for being the best boy there ever did was. Mm, Justin Cassatt and his buddy Bell. Bell. <laughs> also, like, you know, uh, send us an, an, a message or give us a call, and that way we can know you by name as a listener and we can say how awesome you are at the end of this. Because all of the customers in here are wonderful, and all the listeners are great. This sandwich has been looking at me, guys. It needs to be inside my mouth. Yeah, that's a recovery sandwich right there. Mm. It's almost like you sandwiched this podcast with a sandwich. Oh, I sandwiched it with more than that. I just got rid of it. Hey, Django, why is there a big old hole in it? (laughs) (laughs) You lick that finger when you look at me. Mm. I'm Jeff, and I got heartburn from that tomato aid. I'm Django, and I'm going to die the way I was born. In a sandwich? Shaking and screaming. Oh, God. Covered in blood. Mm. I want to know how I die. Django. Oh, man, I'm Roman, and now I've got, I've got this image of Django naked and screaming and covered in blood. I'm not going to sleep tonight. Well, I always other. have that. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm Brayden, and I'm sorry I said fuck so many times during Django's Superman story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jeff, and I was looking up an art article while he was telling that story, and I didn't get to hear any of it. Oh, read the issue. <laughs> I'll edit it. Can I borrow it? Don't read it till you're ready to die. Oh, God! Oh, no. He knows how I know. I finally know! Well, hopefully, hopefully we'll see you again. Yeah. <laughs>